You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey, it's episode 112 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, and today it is brought to you by my Patreon subscribers. Please join the Pimp Cron Dynasty on Patreon.com, and also the loving people at GameMat.eu, where they sell pre-painted terrain and tons of gaming mats, dozens of gaming mats of all shapes and sizes. So, uh, it is also brought to you by this fictional sponsor, Ragu the Thirst Quencher. Alright, enough of that. So what are we talking about tonight? We are talking about... Hey, maybe we shouldn't force our children into our hobby just because we like it. That's one thing. Number two, I also talk about a really neat terrain idea for Tyranids, uh, because there's so little Tyranid terrain, obviously. And we also have a Tesseract mailbox where Adam, who is a professional game designer, uh, chimes in on brutality and just legitimately makes my day. So... Uh, what have I been up to? Well, first off, I did get my really good game in with my buddy Bobby. I have not seen him in a while, and he played Sylvanith. I played Stormcast, and I, um, I did win. It was partially because the, the mission I didn't really care for, the, the points scoring of it, because you got, you know, one point, and then two points, and then three points every, every turn that you capped those objectives. I did not care for that, but I did end up winning considerably. It was pretty even in the first two thirds of the game. And then like the last turn or two, he got off the objective. And then I continued to score massive points and he had to start over with, you know, one point, two point, whatever. And there was just no way to win. But I got to tell you my evocators on the Draco lines kicked, but I'm almost done painting them. I have done a bunch of painting because I had some time off this week. And, uh, number one, I have fully freaking painted in one week. Here's what I've painted. I painted the Star Drake that Leroy Jenkins got me, and I am magnetizing the two different dudes on it, the um, Oathsworn Templar, or whatever his name is, and also the uh, Celestant on the Star Drake, so I can bring either one of them. That Star Drake wrecked house in our battle with... He brought a L'Oreal, so don't feel bad for him. He brought a L'Oreal and a bunch of Kurnoth Hunters, and I brought the Star Drake but I took him as the Drake Sworn Templar or whatever his name, the lesser guy, not the Celestin. And I realized that the lesser guy is not super great against elite units. He doesn't do, you know, lots of multiple damage or anything like that, but against hordes, he can clear out a horde. Like, I'm not lying to you. Everything he's got from his tail whip to the biting, the gnashing of the teeth, to everything beats the crap out of hordes. Even his lightning blast the short range one you roll a dice for every model in the unit and on sixes they take a mortal like he's he is a beat stick i gotta tell you and it is an amazing model i took the last week and fully painted that bad boy in addition uh six draco lines are about 80 percent painted with the evocators on them and all but i painted them I, i played with them only partially painted so oh well but I'll finish them up, and uh, that Star Drake is badass, I gotta tell ya. So, um, what else have I been up to? Well, in addition to winning the game uh, against Sylvaneth and all that, my family and I decided to take a trip to, I don't know, a forsaken land <laughs> where <laughs> this is the most hardcore 
National Park. I think it's a national park. This national park we went to is the most hardcore national park I have ever heard of in my entire life. This was like, I don't know, founded and maintained by Chuck Norris or something. You know, I often feel like in this day and age, everybody's pretty soft and everybody's pretty whiny and everybody's pretty flaccid in general. You know, like people make plans to do something and then they back out at the last time, last minute or somebody says they'll help you with something and then they've got an excuse or just everybody is so lazy and impotent. So I I told my wife, um, this is about as political as I'll, I'll ever get in um in this podcast, but I told my wife for this election, I vote for more consequences <laughs> because like there is no such thing as survival of the fittest anymore in this country or basically in any of the first world countries. There's no such thing as survival of the fittest. We have healthcare, we have medicine, we have social, you know, programs, and we have, it's just, we have services for everything. You don't need to have to, need to know how to fix your car. You don't need to know how to, I don't know, mend an arm. You don't have to, like, nothing, every, everything is so good in our countries. And, um, it's just, I, I feel like, I, I feel like there's not enough consequences. We need more consequences in the world and people make stupid decisions. Guess what? They don't procreate that sort of thing. Uh, just that sort of thing. We got safety bike helmets and seat belts, and I'm kind of going on a tirade here and I'm, I'm really just joking. But the point is, is that this place heard me say that I want more consequences and it said, you know what? I will give you more consequences. So we heard about this thing called, um, this nature reserve called the Alligator River Nature uh, National Wildlife Refuge. The Alligator River, number one. So you're thinking, oh God, is there alligators here? <laughs> and um, come to find out, yes, there are alligators here. Well, officially they say there are potentially alligators here in the Alligator River National Wildlife Refuge. So it's not necessarily alligators there, but it's named alligator, and this is within the region that alligators do live. So it's the northern region, but it's still the region that alligators can live. So yes, they're not um, they're not ruling any alligators out at the Alligator River National Wildlife Refuge, but what it's they're not really known for their alligators oddly enough they're known for their fucking bears and uh you might be surprised but legitimately this is a bear refuge and this place is massive and it is full of bears so it's 154,000 square acres and it is basically woods and it's trails there's no like visitor center there's nowhere to do anything it is literally miles and miles of dirt trails in the middle of the freaking woods this is where prostitutes come to die that's that's what i'm saying if you are a serial killer and you pick up prostitutes and murdering them is your thing you hop over here to murder those prostitutes uh i am not condoning the, the murder of prostitutes but the point is is that uh that was a joke okay um, I, I mean, I have murdered so few prostitutes in my life. The point is, is that <laughs> the point is, is that this place is full of freaking bears and you go, oh, well, okay. Clearly, you know, it's like kind of like the Jurassic Park sort of thing. They're highly deadly animals, but they're behind fences and you know, it's, it's electric fences and you've got, 
walking trails that you can go and it's completely safe and the bears can't get to you. No, actually, that's not the case at all. These walking trails are full of bears and you can do walking trails. Um, no, you didn't hear that wrong. Wait a second. Let me rephrase that. There are walking trails and there are bears. There's no fences. There's no fences in this place. It is... <laughs> I, I don't understand how this place exists. I really don't. I don't understand how this is a place in America, <laughs> okay? Uh, if we're somewhere, you know, in a third world country or, or whatever, sure, anything goes over there. Have you ever seen how um, some of the countries wire up telephone poles and, and power lines? Like, they're 10 feet off the ground with bubble gum and duct tape. They don't give a crap, okay? But... This is a place with no fences whatsoever. Matter of fact, there's not even a fence around the outside of this bear preserve, okay? There are big ditches, and we saw them spraying stuff. I don't know if they're spraying bear pee or something like that to prevent the bears from getting out. It does happen to be on a giant island, so that's helpful. But there's highways running through it. It's not like it's... You know, it's not like, oh, it's so heavily fortified. There's not even a gate to the front entrance to this thing. It is wide open. Any bear can come and go as they please on this highway. Clearly, they don't, I guess, I, I assume. But there are walking chair trails and driving trails with freaking bears and potentially alligators. So, after realizing, I, I, I went here with my family, okay, which is probably not the best idea, but we figured, hey, this is America, there's got to be safety things, and there happened to be no safety things. So we did not get out of our truck, I'll tell you that much right now, we did not get out of our truck. I have a pickup, it is only two-wheel drive, it is not four-wheel drive, but we did not get out of our freaking truck. And these trails are just miles of trails in the woods. Many of them have a ditch on either side, so the bears don't actively get on the, the trails usually, but some of them don't. There's main trails, and then there's side trails. And when we first got in here, we got our little pamphlet, and we got our map. And remember, we still don't know what this place is like at this juncture. We just came in here. And there's this little post sign, and um, it's got the maps and, and the disclaimer paper and all that. And we're looking at the map, and the bottom half of this island appears, and this is a massive island. Remember, this is 150-some thousand square acres. Um, the bottom of this map is kind of, like, marked off, and uh, apparently it's, like, some sort of... It's something to do with a naval base or an air force base. It it's actually does not say what it is on the map. But there's all these roads there. It almost looks like it's a town. So I don't know exactly what that is. And in the heartland of this freaking alligator-named bear preserve with no fences is a bombing range? Wait a second. There is a freaking bombing range in the middle of this bear preserve. Yes, it says bombing range. Oh, this is on the map. Roads may be temporarily closed because of military aircraft bombing in this area. So, uh, <laughs> let me get this straight. So you're telling me that there are bears here, intentionally bears. They bring them here as a preserve. There are no fences. There is no gate. There are miles and miles of dirt trails. And there is a freaking 
aircraft bombing range in the middle of it. Okay, well, this is just getting more and more obscure. This is very, very odd to me. Um, and we also found that there is a a uh, disclaimer paper that we got. And I have to read to you this disclaimer paper, and it is hilariously written. And there were no Fs given, my friend, when they wrote this this <laughs> this <laughs> this disclaimer paper, okay? It says the main roads are dirt and gravel and are in good condition. Some side roads are not suitable for general travel, especially after rain. You will get stuck on these roads. If you get stuck, the responsibility to get out is yours. Cell service, uh, cellular service is inconsistent on the refuge. There is no cell service in some areas. Please use common sense and good judgment. If <laughs> Here's where it gets good. If you use bad judgment, happen to get stuck, need tow truck assistance, and are lucky enough to have cell service, you will need to call the following tow services. So... Those are no Fs given at all. If you use bad judgment, happen to get stuck, need a tow truck assistance, and are lucky enough to have cell service. <laughs> so you're entirely on your own here. There's a bombing range, there's bears, alligators, whatever. And um, uh, something else we found that's kind of uh, disturbing while we're driving around this thing is that Almost every single one of the street markers, they've got these wooden posts with the different street names, so you can follow the map and, and know where you are. Um, all of them are mauled. I'm not exaggerating in the least. Some of them were so scratched up or chewed up by bears that it was hard to read the words on these signposts. And this is no hyperbole. I am not exaggerating in the very least. This is all 100% true. And, uh... So we drive down these roads, and at first, you know, the main roads are pretty high up, and, and they're they're dry, and they're gravel and dirt, just like they said, but the main road is not very long. You end up having to go off on some auxiliary roads. Remember those roads that they warn you about, that uh, after a rain, it's going to be muddy? Well, we hadn't had rain in the area for days, so maybe five, six days. So you think, okay, well, this is going to be dry. Well, you go deeper and deeper and deeper into this bear and alligator infested bombing range and <laughs> and the roads get smaller and smaller to the point where two cars cannot pass on this road. There's no way for you like there's no set direction traffic has to flow, but a lot of these roads have a ditch on one side, a ditch on the other side and road in the middle. And then you're surrounded by bears and bombing area. So if you run into somebody head on, there's no way, but one of you is going to have to back up for a mile until you get to your next intersection because you cannot pass each other. So in addition to this, remember, I've got a two wheel drive truck. Um, in addition to this, some of the places still had standing water on them, puddles and like greasy, you know how the dirt gets greasy and when the water sits for a while, some greasy spots and we come to a fork in the road, uh, uh, like a three, uh, a four-way cross section, and we look, we look forward, and there is standing water. I mean, like puddles of standing water. We're like, okay, well, I guess we're not going to go down that road. We go to the right, and there's slightly less standing water. But we're like, you know what? I really don't want to go through standing water with a two-wheel, uh, two-wheel drive truck, and fucking nobody nearby. By the way, no park rangers. We only saw two other cars the whole time. I told you this is where they dump bodies. 
And finally, we look at the left and we're like, oh, well, the left looks super dry. The, the road is higher than all the others. It's super dry. Good. So we'll do that. Also, this road ends where the marked off part of the uh, map is that shows some sort of either a military base or there's so many roads in this part of the map. It does not describe exactly what it is, but it looks like a town almost. So we're like, okay, well, it's lots of roads. If it is a military base, it doesn't say it's closed to the public, so we'll just see what's down here. Lo and behold, we take the left way, and as we're getting farther and farther down this one-way road in the middle of the woods, surrounded by bears and crocodiles and potentially uh, missiles, um, it's we start running into really wet spots. And I'm not talking about really standing water, but you can see where tire tracks have gone in the same spot over and over, and it's made a wet rut. So there has... Um, several times on this road where I have, I go, well, you know what? I can't back up perfectly straight through these mud puddles for, I don't know, the two miles we've been driving down this road. So I feel like I'm going to have to gun it. So, (laughs) and just let the momentum carry me through this. So that's what I did. And we did not get stuck. No, we did not. Whether it be the grace of God or the emperor or my driving skills, I don't know what it was. But we did not get stuck. We plowed through some pretty wet areas, and um, much to my amazement, we did not get stuck. And the problem is, we make it all the way down this road, and we run directly into the fenced-in area that says, Hey, no cars past this point, and it's a big barricade. Hey, that's really cool, so there's no place to turn around. It's a dead-end road. It was not marked dead-end road. And I have a long, full-size truck and I have to do the whole Austin Powers back up, pull forward, back up, pull forward, back up, pull forward, and slowly do a 180 in my truck with very deep ditches full of water on both sides and arguably bears waiting in the wings. <laughs> so, so this was quite an amazing experience. Um, we did not see any alligators. We did not hear any bombs. There were some aircraft that flew over. And none of us got out. Nobody was eaten. So this was all incredibly great. Um, We did happen to see at a very far distance, maybe a half mile away, we did see one mama bear cross the road and two baby bears with her. Um, So we did see them from about a half mile away. This refuge is specifically black bears. And if you know anything about black bears, they're very timid. They're not aggressive. It's not like this place is full of grizzlies or anything like that. But their website is incredibly vague, and they don't explain anything on the website. And the whole time, my wife was like, oh, you know, 150,000 acres full of bears. And I'm like, yeah, bears and fences, right? And she's like, uh, they don't mention fences. And I'm like, well, that's weird. Is this like a zoo? Or like, what? what is this? I don't get it. And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, okay, keep reading. And the more she read on the website before we got there, the more I noticed there's no mention of fences. And sure enough... No, there are no fences. And basically, if you get stuck, they tell you to eat a dick. That's basically their remedy for that. So I'm shocked I did not see any, you know, disabled cars on the side full of skeletons where the bears had just stripped them clean. No, I didn't see any of that, but I was a little surprised I didn't. So that was <laughs> that was our excitement for this week. And I am totally done rambling, but we did make it out alive and my truck got a little muddy, but we did not get bombed. And we did not get mauled by a bear or an alligator or a serial killer. So that is all good news. Let's get on with this podcast, shall we? 
Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. On today's Real Talk with the Pimpcron, I'm going to be tooting my own horn. Just call me an old jalopy because I'm tooting my horn. Aooga! So, uh, I just have to codify this message because I am, it's, it's a very flattering message about brutality and I appreciate it. So guess what? You get to hear it unless of course you skip forward or you just turn off the episode, which I would suggest you don't do that. So he writes, it's Adam and he writes, warm greetings from Australia. My name is Adam and I am a Sydney based writer and game designer. Having recently been introduced to your work on Brutality, I felt compelled to offer you my sincere, heartfelt compliments on what is a truly magnificent creative work. Bravo, sir, bravo. It is a masterpiece of modern hybrid wargaming and should be added to every gamer's shelf. I have never before seen such a versatile work. You should be extremely proud of it. I was like... Good God, that is the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me. And uh, obviously he's well-written and well-spoken, but I was amazed that anybody would actually send that message to me. He continues. Um, I said, wow, thank you so much. It's really, I really appreciate it. And he said that uh, a pleasure, good work stands the test of time and always finds an audience. Sometimes in design, for the hobby to move forward, some among us need to take a chance, dare I say a risk, in imagining what a game both could be and should be. In Brutality, I feel that you have certainly done that. It's accessible, versatile, imaginative, and quite frankly, beautiful. I have a host of designs and game methods in my personal archives that commercial clients never see. They come and they say, I want something like this, and tout some tired old system. To follow those mandates means only cloning. Creating games within what has become very limited guidelines. Tabletop gaming has become stagnant. I see your work and it gives me hope that at least there is another mind out there that sees the truth. Gaming, like imagination, should have as few boundaries to creation and play as possible. You have made a wonderful thing, Scott. If you ever need a sympathetic ear, a sounding board, or a partner in crime, please let me know. What you have done with your beautiful work is created a toolbox from with which might spring dozens of different player-created experiences, based on them seeking their own tone of play within the scaffolding of what you have written. It's creative freedom, yes, but within the surety of the game's physics. The great Rick Priestley once said of game design that he just writes the kind of thing that he would like to play and hopes that others will too. It can be lonely for sure, writing away unsure of how it will be judged, but passion always finds an audience. Your work has that passion and kind of, quote, creative bravery written all over it. That kind of thing is actively beaten out of industry writers, which is ironic, as it's the very thing that most often discovers new ways to entertain and inspire in miniature. Big companies want safe, not daring. Don't doubt yourself at all. Trust me, your work could stand with the best of them. All that you need to do now is get it in front of as many gamers as you can and let the system speak for itself. And not only is Adam poetic, and not only is he eloquent and well-spoken and all of that, but man, it is that is one of the best compliments in my entire life that I've probably ever gotten. And I will legitimately, I will legitimately appreciate and cherish that message forever because this sounds like I'm all toot my own horn, but honestly, this is years of work in this game and a great hundreds of, of testing, you know, play tests and getting all my friends into it and getting strangers into it and all of that and all the editing. You have no idea the numbers of hours of editing 
in addition to my real world job and my kids and all that, just editing and, and finding the artwork and all that. So it greatly means a lot to me because this person, Adam, is an actual professional in the industry and makes, um, uh, he's got Gangs of Rome is one of his, uh, his big games that he's published and um, under a publishing house. And uh, it's just, it's it's amazing that somebody would actually say all this really nice stuff about my game. Because, once again, he just said Rick Priestley makes games that Rick Priestley, Rick Priestley wants to play. Well, this is a game that I want to play. I made this game for me, and then my friends were like, hey, this is really cool, you should make it available to everybody. So, uh, enough of plugging my own game. But, if you happen to be interested in it, it can be found at the Facebook slash Brutality Skirmish Wargame group. Or it can be found at BrutalitySkirmishWarGame.com. And um, if you want to support the game, then feel free to do it. You're not obligated to do that, obviously. But uh, it's it's amazing to me that we're building a really great community. And I, I'm, I am utterly speechless with how nice that message was and with the reception that Brutality has gotten with the community. It, it is an absolute dream come true. And I can't thank Adam enough for the kind words, and I can't thank all of you enough for supporting the game. It's just, it's 100% a bucket list. If I never make another game, if I never make another Epic War Planner, if I never make another anything, I can at least, on my deathbed, and this means a lot to me, this might sound silly to all of you, but this is my life's passion is game design. And I can lay on my deathbed and be satisfied that I made one good product, and people actually enjoyed it, which is all I ever wanted. I've been making games my entire life since definitely my teen years, but even as a child, I never played the rules of any games. I always made up my own rules. And, um, you know, I was every single week my friends would come over and we'd play a different board game or card game that I made myself. I was always doing that, making up board games and whatnot, or uh, adapting different games or everything. And uh, every single week, my friends would come over and play some different game that I had just created. And I always just wanted somebody to like my games. And all my friends, none of them were like serious gamers. They were like friends from high school, friends from college, whatever. They weren't gamer friends. So they would do it and they'd enjoy the games, but they'd never go crazy for the games because they're not gamers. You know, I can sit there and watch football and appreciate football. And I, I like football well enough, but I'm not a football fan. You know, I'm not one of those people. So, anyway, I've probably rambled on in this segment, but I was incredibly touched by Adam's statements, and uh, thanks again, Adam, for writing in. I am finding it hard to find the words to say how much I appreciate the kind words and encouragement. Now, here's an idea. On this segment of Well, Here's an Idea... I have an idea that is awesome for Tyranid Terrain. You want some Tyranid Terrain? Well, I got your Tyranid Terrain here. It's pretty cheap, it's pretty accessible, and I own two of them, I think, but I don't own that many of them. So I'm probably going to be buying more, and I should probably, you know what, I'll hurry up and buy some, so that when you guys go looking for these, because they're really awesome, you don't uh, raise the market price until I can get to it. That's what I'll do. So anyway, uh, Think for Yourself or Pimkron here has an idea for you. There was a little old game called Heroescape. Do you remember Heroescape? It was by Hasbro, and it was when Hasbro was cool, because 
Hasbro made a miniature, essentially, skirmish game with those hex tiles, and you could stack the tiles and build your train as you played. It was such a cool game. I never played much of the actual rules, because I always made up my own rules for stuff. But it was out, like, in the early 2000s, and it was very, very cool. They had tons of different factions, and I don't remember what exactly the premise was, but I know it was, like, a time portal or something and you had like a faction of I almost want to say time cops or something or maybe they were assassins and then you had samurai people and you had orcs and goblins and you had world war ii soldiers and they even ended up doing a a hero escape with superheroes I know marvel was in it and they had spider-man and captain america and all that and it was really really cool I still have a bunch of my tiles which I eventually have to sell But the point is, is that one of the factions was called Marrow, M-A-R-R-O, not Marrow with a W such as in your bones, but Marrow without the W. And what is so cool about that is that when HeroScape made terrain, the terrain can be found pretty cheap now because HeroScape is defunct. It's no longer an actual thing. And for about $15 to $20 on eBay, you can find a whole slew of marrow terrain things. And they I think they only made one terrain piece, but it looks perfect for a Tyranid terrain piece. And usually when you hear or see, you hear about or you see Tyranid terrain on, you know, a planet or whatever while they're taking over a planet... They've got these giant spines that come out of the ground and all this slimy crap and whatever. It's like giant organic spines as they're devouring the earth. Well, for $15 or $20, including shipping, you can essentially buy these. They are about, I'm going to say, 8 inches tall. I think they're about 8 inches tall. And it's essentially, it is two spines coming diagonally out of the ground and curving. And they have all these little, like, windows, these bulbous-like uh, clear plastic windows with these marrow guys in them, and it's called a marrow hive. So if you want to look it up, it would M A R R O H I V E, and uh, it is really cool and it's super cheap compared to any GW train. And what's neat about it is is that it's already like a bone colored because these marrow guys were they actually kind of remind me of Ossiarch Bone Reapers a little. I don't know what their whole backstory was, but they were like living bone or whatever, and they had guns and whatnot. And that is really, really cool looking. The nice thing about that is, is it's already like this bone looking thing jutting out of the ground with spikes. And um, it's got like, I don't know why, but it's like wrapped. It's got this stuff draped over it, almost like skin or I don't know what else. But um, you could paint that extremely easily to match your Tyranid colors for whatever your army is. And even if you don't play Tyranids, whatever, it is pretty nice line of sight blocking. It's not crazy good. It's not like a giant ruin or anything, but it's probably six inches long and eight inches tall. And I mean, if you, especially if you gave some sort of special rule for it or whatever like that, it could be really, really cool. So if you play Tyranids or Gene Steeler Cult, I would definitely suggest buying some of these for 15 or 20 bucks a pop because they are pretty darn cheap and they're already assembled and they're already painted for the most part. If you want to paint the draped flesh or whatever around it a different color or whatever then go for it but all in all could make a really cool looking board unfortunately i can only find they made one 
model for the terrain, so it's not super varied, but you could cut it apart and use it in different areas or whatever. And also, what's cool is you can pop out those clear plastic lenses and you could put like termagants in those bubbles or like what I do is I just paint over the clear plastic bubble and, and make it all look sporous. But uh, anyway, it's it's really, really cool. And this is one of those little teeny things that people don't often think about. And uh, it's it's super cheap. So you should hop on it. M-A-R-R-O-H-I-V-E. Wait, what's this? Oh, it's bonus content, baby. Oh, yeah, that's right. So another thing, here's another neat little trick. Um, one weird trick that the Tyrannocyte doctors don't want you to know is that um, now the, for a long time, Tyranids did not have an actual drop pod model. They were called the Mycetic Spore at the time. Now they're called a Tyrannocyte. And the Tyranids actually have a model. The Tyrannocyte is a model. But for the longest time, GW used to make models stats and unit entries but didn't actually sell a model so you're expected to kitbash it yourself and for the longest time there was a very popular way to make mycetic spores or now tyrannocytes out of a model called um, plasma hatchers from megablocks and basically plasma hatchers are this really cool looking egg that breaks apart in half and it had I think it had like a growing dinosaur or something I think it was one of those dinosaurs you put in water and they get big but anyway, it's irrelevant what's inside. The point is, is for 15 or 20 bucks, you can buy plasma hatchers and you can make them into tyrannocytes. I mean, all of mine are plasma hatchers. Every single one of my tyrannocytes. I own three or four, something like that. And, um, but on the, now tyrannocytes obviously exist now as a model. So you might want to just go with the real model. But if you're going to make uh, tyranid terrain, it would be super, super cheap to get some plasma hatchers from eBay and get some marrow hives from eBay and that sort of thing. And they have a very alien, but very organic and kind of gross look to them. And uh, you should definitely do that. So that is another thing that you can get that is cheap and is paintable. I did have to pretty heavily prime the plasma hatchers. Um, I because they're slightly slick plastic, so you have to kind of prime them pretty well. And um, not always... Um, it's not always an easy thing to get things attached to the plasma hatchers, like when I put my death spitters or whatever on the side of them. Uh, you have to really glue them in well or use some green stuff or whatever. But ultimately, you prime it really well. Don't go light on the prime. You prime it really well, and it paints up just fine. You can super glue them pretty easily, um, and make sure they are the two halves stay together. They do snap together, but it's also nice to keep them together. And either way, it makes really good terrain. Um, put it on a hill or something, it would be pretty good. Now, it's not as line of sight of blocking as the Marrow Hive, but it is still a good alternative and super cheap compared to that. I mean, you know, your typical GW model kit is 60 bucks. So go ahead and buy three of these marrow hives or two marrow hives and one of these plasma hatches or whatever. I just checked on eBay. They still exist. They're still on eBay. Not a ton of them, but they still are there. So that might be a hobby project for you. And it's got all these like, um, it looks almost like an eye on the side of it. And there's all these vents on top, just like Tyranids have vents. And it's pretty cool looking. It's got veins all over it. So you should definitely go get some of that, y'all. And uh, that's, you know, I think that's the end of this segment. Toodles. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp Cron. 
Well, if it isn't time for Real Talk with the Pimpcron, and today, just like the rising sun, I come out of my house, and my future's so bright that everybody else has to wear shades, and just like the moon, I write blog articles and make a podcast every single week about 40k. Although I, I kind of feel like I lost the metaphor there somewhere, but... Okay, normally I enjoy being silly and pretending I'm serious and all of that, blah, blah, blah. But this, because of the topic, I have to give a full disclosure. What I'm the about to say in the next few minutes is entirely a joke. Joke, people. It's entirely a joke. Be sure to listen to the entire segment before you mail me poop, okay? Um, now, if you are already uh, my supplier of poop, like if I'm already on your Amazon subscription list and you normally send me poop, but you also listen to the podcast, that's fine. Please don't cancel my subscription. I need that poop. But I mean like the angry sort of poop. Like when you're mad and you just shit in a bag and then you mail it to somebody. <laughs> anyway. Okay. <laughs> So this is the beginning of the nonsense, okay? And then I swear I've got a real point behind it. You know, I love my son, but we've been having a lot of arguments lately, and he has been driving me up the freaking wall. He's at that age where he thinks he knows better than me and doesn't realize how many years I have on him. You know how kids are. I know best, and he shouldn't question it, right? But you know how kids are. They constantly question everything you say. It gets really irritating. For instance, okay, this is the constant conflict we're having. For instance, he thinks that he likes baseball. He doesn't like baseball at all. It's boring. We'll be sitting down for dinner and he will start spouting off some facts about some idiot named Bryce Harper or whatever. And some stupid batting average, which I don't even know how they come up with that. Although I've never been very good at math. But he'll be describing this at dinner. At the dinner table. Do you know how rude that is? And I'm like, hey, give that sports talk a break. I'm not going to have that sort of talk at my dinner table, okay? So anyway, Cronet, um, I shot those Thunderfire cannons like three times at the other guy. And then, of course, my conversation continues. And we have a pleasant evening talking about 40K at the dinner table and not about Bryce, whoever. A day later, he's drawing a picture of a person holding a stick next to someone else. He was in the middle of coloring it. And I walk up. I'm like, hey, uh, male offspring. I really like that Empire guy with the halberd. You really nailed it. But just so you know, a little critique here, don't take it too offensively, just so you know, they didn't have hats with brims like that in the fluff, that practically looks like a, a baseball hat. And that's when he told me it was a baseball hat on top of a baseball player, holding a bat, not a Cities of Sigmar guy. Explain to him that we are a family of nerds and sports playing is frowned upon. Do you really want to be a dumb jock? Of course not. Now go outside and practice priming those models I bought you. I think I finally got to him. Maybe all of this baseball nonsense was finally out of his system. But just to be sure, I went through the house and covered up all the references to sports playing. Our box of Wheaties doesn't have a gymnast anymore. Now it sports a wizard casting a spell on Wheaties. Thanks to the magic of Sharpie. Then suddenly I noticed that my wife's hoop earrings look suspiciously like Olympic rings, so I bent them into Sigmar Comets. I gave our baseball bat a hilt out of string and a stick. I wrote Power Fist on the baseball glove and drew a crude two-headed eagle. I threw out 
our sports games for Xbox and put a copy of Space Marine in each case. I tossed the entire S book of our encyclopedia out because there was far too many sports references and I just couldn't tear them all out individually. I had to just throw away the entire book. I also set our parental filter to filter out anything ESPN related on our television or our internet. So now with all those distractions gone, he can focus on his real passion, which is wargaming and hobbying. But as a side note to other parents, I just have a, a this is not a big deal. I just have a side question for you. Out of curiosity, do your children sob the entire time they paint? Seems kind of odd to me, but kids are weird. You never know what's going to set them off, right? That night, I walk into his bedroom to check on him after bedtime, and what I found really, really upset me. He had snuck a baseball Hall of Fame book into his room and fell asleep reading it. So, my question to you guys is, do you think baseball is satanic? You know, like D&D. Whatever it is, it has a serious stranglehold on my son. We have an appointment with the Exorcist next Wednesday, so hopefully that'll kind of clear it up. Now, for serious talk, this is for serious now. If my preface didn't already explain this, and if my ridiculous examples weren't enough for you, I'll spell it out. Everything I just said was a joke. But it does bring up a concern concern that I have as a parent. Is baseball evil? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. As a parent, I want them to discover and enjoy what they want to like. I know that we tend to like things we're exposed to, and I'm very careful not to push any of them in a direction just because I love it. My dad has always been a serious, hardworking person and never really understood why I was always drawing and writing and playing video games and board games. It's just not in his blood. My brother and father are closer to each other than me and my father are, and that is a large part because they enjoy the same hobbies. I certainly don't want our different interests to separate me from my children, and I fully plan on dabbling in whatever hobby they get into, just to have something to do with them. I mean, if one of my daughters wants to become a gymnast, well, then look out, world, here comes my lame ass trying it out too. That's my whole point. Um, for instance, I am not a big Pokemon fan. I don't think the game mechanics of the game are very balanced, and I don't think there's a whole lot of strategy in it, but my son really likes Pokemon cards, so I play Pokemon cards with my son. It's not that I necessarily want to. Good God, I have played so many, um, Guess Who games with my four-year-old, and she is awful at it, I gotta tell you, She's, she... <laughs> she does not get the point of the game, but she's adorable, and I enjoy spending time with her. Anytime she comes up and says, hey, Dad, you want to play Guess Who? I go, yeah, yeah, actually, I want to play Guess Who, and we go play Guess Who. So, um, <laughs> like, one of her questions one time is, does your person have a frowny nose? <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is that? A frowny nose? What, what, is, what is that even? How do you describe a nose as frowny? Um, another question was, does your person have a purse? I'm like, no, 404. None of them have purses. They're all disembodied heads. So you get the point. But we still play Connect. I mean, um, we play Connect 4 too, but uh, guess who? We play Guess Who. I enjoy it. I enjoy playing Pokemon with my son. Um, but back to my real topic on this. You know, I want to be part of their hobbies and their interests, but on the other hand, I don't want to force myself into their hobbies either because it's important for them to have time away from me 
and their mother and discover themselves on their own as they get older. I'll try for a happy medium, but I am excited about wearing spandex because that's I'm going to rock that spandex. It'll be like it'll be like I'm smuggling hamburgers. (laughs) Anyway, luckily for me. They seem to at least have a passing interest in the hobby and have painted a bunch of my spare models. My children always ask me to leave out the terrain when I'm done playing a war game with a friend and they play with their toys on it and roll dice. Um, For my son's seventh birthday, he asked to come to the 40k club with me. So I took him, got dinner and went to the club. He played a small game of Nids versus Chaos Marines to the side and he got to meet my friends. A picture of him playing is the wallpaper on my phone, or at least it was for a long time. And uh, it's one of my favorite memories with him. I guess what I'm saying is I'm excited that they show an interest, but that is somewhat expected since they're exposed to it. My goal in the coming years is to support them in whatever they choose to do. I would be thrilled if at least one of them want to share this hobby with me, but if not, that's okay too. Too many of us have the guilt of doing things that were frowned upon by our parents because they just didn't get it. And like I said, I would show my drawings. I was a big drawer, drawer, or I should say artist or illustrated. Um, I was a huge artist. I love to draw pencil drawings and ink them and all that. And at one point when I was a teenager, I kind of wanted to be a comic book artist. And, um, you know, I'd show him pictures and he'd say, oh, that's nice. But he, you could tell he did not give a crap at all. He just was not interested in what I was doing. And then he's like, hey, look at this front differential that I put in the blah, blah. I'm like, okay, yeah, well, this is fine. (laughs) I'm not really interested in that either. Now, there is a small glimmer of hope. Um, my, My son is the oldest, and he's not super interested. He'll play with the models, he'll paint the models, but he's not really interested in playing any games. Uh, we've played some AOS games and we played some small 40k games and all that. He's not really interested in that. Um, I think the game goes too slow for him. Not that he has a short attention span, but it's just for, you know, uh, a kid, it's it's kind of slow paced. Um, yeah, I'm talking about real games. I've also played, you know, demo games with him and all that and streamlined the rules and all that. But if I actually try to play a real full game where you got to look up all the stats and all that, it's a bit much for a uh, younger kid. But... He will play Brutality with me sometimes, and um, my three of four, my daughter three of four, really has gotten into playing uh, my Brutality Battle Reports with me. She really likes miniature things, she's very creative, and she's always doing, she's making like, she'll take household items and make miniature things out of them for her Barbies. She'd be like, look dad, I made a burrito for my Barbie. She'd, you know, cut up a small piece of paper or whatever and roll it up and then you know tape it together so it looks just like a little burrito and then she'll paint it whatever color or she'll use a marker and color it or whatever she's always making little things for her barbies which is pretty cool um and she recently has been helping me with the uh, brutality battle reports which is also really cool she's excited about it and so am i i let her write roll all the dice and um in our last battle it was really cool we high-fived and everything because we both totally thought that we were going to die because we were facing a monster. I think I talked about it last week or week before last. And um, we were facing this big monster in brutality and we we're both rolling. And we both thought, okay, well, we're just going to get wiped off the board. And somehow, miraculously, with a broken weapon, this dude that is not good at melee took the last wound off this monster. And it was it was a good feeling. And we high-fived and we were excited and all. So she's been asking me, hey, when are we going to do another battle report? So I might have one gamer 
uh, Wargamer in my family. We'll see. But once again, I don't want to push them towards that. I don't want to force them into it or anything like that. I once, uh, I used to play football when I was in uh, middle school and high school. And middle school is a uh, organization, I don't know if it's nationwide or not, but it's called Pop Warner. And um, it is for those levels of kids, the middle school and the late elementary school. I think it's like fifth through eighth or something like that. And um, I played all those years of that. And the coach was really cool. The coach was a really good guy. He was a real macho man sort of thing. And his son was absolutely 100% not. His son was in my grade. I knew him very well. We were good friends. And it was extremely clear to everybody that he was only joining the football team either A, because he had to, because his dad made him, or B, because he was expected to. I don't know which one that was, but he played all the years that I played, and as soon as he got to high school, he didn't play anymore, (laughs) because uh, I I feel like there was a little bit of pressure there, but not that his dad seemed like a jerk to him or anything, but this guy was really nerdy, he had really thick glasses, all he wanted to do was play on the computer or read books, he was really into, you know, I don't know if Harry Potter was out at that time, but he was really into that sort of thing, and it was pretty funny because clearly him and his dad were opposites. His, his dad was all about the, you know, the Redskins and all the stuff. And his son just was not, could not be. So I don't want to be like that with my children. And, um, you know, I, hopefully you won't either. You really don't want to, um, push them into something, especially because this hobby can be really, really cool. And it can be expensive if you do it, aggressively I guess I should say but um it also does teach you different skills which is good for a child and like painting and you know keeping your attention on something and things like that um strategy and even math if you're gonna write your list out handwritten you know that's math so we've discussed this stuff before so I'm not gonna go super into it but there definitely are worse hobbies in the world your kid's not gonna be injured doing wargaming or anything like that so but once again, even though that's your hobby, it may not be their hobby. So you got to make sure that we give them some leeway and you can't be up their butt constantly because, like I said, they need time away from us as they're getting older and they're growing and developing and all of that. You need to give them some leeway and um, you don't want to be that super aggressive parent that is, you know, constantly either pressing their child into doing something they don't want to kind of like those show moms those beauty pageant moms that you know are like oh we have to win we have to win you don't eat for the next two days because we got weigh-ins or whatever whatever they do I don't I don't know I'm not in the beauty scene but you get the point um and honestly if I'm being honest I'm out of the beauty scene because of fairness because I certainly would win every single match or contest whatever whatever that's called I would win all of them so that's it's just out of fairness Anyway, that's the end of this. Thank you so much for GameMat.eu for supporting the show, and thank you so much for all my beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons. I'll talk to you later. 